Hey everybody, it's Maria from ESPN, and you're listening to Life After the Crown with Tim Tialdo. Hey everybody, welcome to the Life After the Crown podcast, where each episode I bring you interviews with former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who are now succeeding across many different industries in the real world. My name is Tim Tialdo, TV and pageant host, entrepreneur, author, and somebody who just wants to help you become better. Now, if you're wondering what life looks like after pageants, the advice, the stories, and the interviews that you hear on this podcast will not only inspire you, but help make your transition from pageants to professional life a bit easier to handle. So if this is your first time listening, thanks for tuning in. We're glad you're with us. Let's get started. My guest today is a native of Alpharetta, Georgia, and joined ESPN as a college analyst and reporter in 2014. She is one of the network's most versatile commentators and was named a reporter for College Game Day and ABC Saturday Night Football in 2017. She had previously served as the host of the SEC Network's traveling pregame show, SEC Nation, alongside analysts Tim Tebow, Marcus Spears, and Paul Finnebaum. Her versatility is showcased on a variety of ESPN's shows and platforms as she hosts College Football Live, Big Monday and NCAA Women's Final Four studio coverage. She serves as a regular co-host on Get Up and works as a sideline reporter on Saturday primetime and marquee men's basketball games throughout the season. In addition, she is an analyst on other SEC and ESPN telecasts, including volleyball and women's basketball. She attended the University of Georgia, where she played volleyball and basketball for the Bulldogs, and she was named to the All-SEC Volleyball Team three times and was also a member of the USA A2 National Volleyball Team. She graduated from Georgia in 2009 with a degree in broadcast news. Wow, what a resume. Rising star Maria Taylor, let me roll out the red carpet for you. Welcome to Life After the Crown. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Hey. Yes, listening yeah. to all that just makes me feel old. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you're so <laughs> old, so old. too long. Well, hey, I know you're right in the middle of uh, all the bracketology going on with the men's basketball tournament, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to, to be here. But um, I just want to say to you, I've talked to so many young women that basically when I ask them, hey, what do you want to do someday? They're like, you know what? I want to be like that Maria Taylor girl on ESPN. She is killing me. And, uh, you know, uh, when I talk to girls in pageants all over the country, a great majority of them tell me, you know, their job is their dream job is like ESPN or Sports Center or a game day host or a sports broadcaster. Uh, and that pretty much sums up what your career is about thus far. So let's talk about your journey uh, to where you are. You grew up in Georgia. You killed it, obviously, in volleyball and basketball at the University of Georgia. You graduate then pretty quickly. Uh, unlike most people, you get a job at ESPN pretty quickly. Talk about the transition from college into the professional life at ESPN. I mean, I would say the biggest transition, um, probably from college to professional, is just having to be on and be, I was not going to say perfect, but you have to find a way to be professional at all times. You know, in college, you can make a lot of mistakes. You can be around your friends and you get more time to, I'm not going to say party, but just like have downtime. <laughs> yeah. And now that I'm with the SCN, the, the more you grow, you know, there's no off season. So it's a lot of fun, but I go straight from, it's funny, the national championship for football ended on Monday and then that Saturday, I was at a UNC Louisville game for basketball. And so basketball season started immediately after. So it's almost like finding what is this balance going to be of being a professional? How do you still find time for yourself so you don't necessarily go crazy, um, but finding a different way to channel that energy? In a lot of ways, I find it in mentoring and having people on the road with me. So it's interesting that you say that young women say that because 
that is very, very important to me. Well, let me ask you this. Now, knowing that, you know, ESPN is a dream job for a lot of people, I'm sure it was for you. Talk about what your expectation was when you got hired at ESPN versus what you've now gone through and experienced in the first few years. My expectation when I first started at ESPN was just to work in volleyball and women's basketball. Like to me, those are the two communities that I knew and I loved. And part of the reason why I got into sports broadcasting was to work in those fields because I saw the analysts that would come through and do our games. So um, when I got to ESPN and at one point they come to me and say, hey, we've got this opening in college football. Would you be interested? At first, of course, I'm going to say yes, but it's just not something that I had planned. And, you know, there's so many turns in life that we can't even plan for. But that was ultimately the platform that led me to be able to be on college game day or even to the point where I can be on Get Up because I, I think without college football, there's no way that I'm on Get Up doing hits for Sports Center or working on our um, Saturday Prime men's basketball game. But it's so funny how the expectations we have for something are so far exceeded by usually the plan that's already in place for us. Um, And that's just what I've experienced in my time at ESPN over the last seven or eight years. Well, so going into it, thinking, you know, volleyball and basketball would be great. Um, You you get the college game day gig. Was there a point where um, and, and I say this because you are basically a rising star at ESPN, whether you want to admit that or not, you totally are. Was there a moment or a gig that was offered to you that you said, this is kind of the breakout moment for me where I'm going to really start to see bigger things happen? I think that would be, so SEC Network in 2014 was a huge one because for the first time I was going to be able to not only be a sideline reporter with Brent Musburger and Jesse Palmer, we were going to do the Saturday night prime game for SEC Network, but they were also going to let me host SEC Nows. So I was finally going to get this work as an anchor that I'd never had before. And I'd always told myself that I wanted to be just well-rounded. I wanted my bosses to be able to call and be like, you know, we need an anchor or we need an analyst or we need a reporter and feel comfortable with slotting me in any one of those roles. And what I was currently missing on that resume, as far as like extensive experience was concerned, was being an anchor. So I really feel like SEC Network changed the game. And if you look at the people that have come out of SEC Network, you're talking about, you know, Greg McElroy, who's now on ESPN game. Booker McFarland started on SEC Network. He's now on Monday Night Football. Laura Rutledge, we came up together on SEC Network. She now hosts Nation. She's all over ESPN as well. Marcus Spears, you see him being used all the time on Get Up. Like, it ended up becoming this great training ground and gave me these great relationships with, like, a young group of people coming up in ESPN. We didn't really know what we were doing, but we knew we were doing something. And so it's so cool to watch everyone rise together. But I, I do feel as though making that decision instead of saying, freelance and only doing, you know, my football package and my basketball and my volleyball was a game changer for me. But you mentioned earlier, you just uh, not too long ago got done doing the BCS National Championship. Um, You've been a sideline reporter for some of literally the most watched games on the planet (laughs) the last few years. Um, Mm -hmm. And I can only imagine the pressure to perform uh, in those situations and how chaotic it is on the field and just, you know, being in the middle of all that. Um, Talk about how you handle the nerves of being in those types of situations when, let's say, Clemson wins and you've got to pull Dabo Sweeney in the middle of a huge crowd and pull off an interview when, you know, the pressure around you is immense. (laughs) It's so funny because it reminds me a lot of just that feeling you get before a game, before you go out there, when you know the expectation is that you are supposed to perform at a high level or you let a team down. And now my team is just different. It might be Kirk Herbstreit and Chris Fowler um, and my producers and all my camera guys, but everyone is like working so hard for this moment that if I don't do my little part in that space then the broadcast could be you know ruined like we could they might have wanted to send that off for say an emmy or something like that or everyone wanted to have a clean broadcast and i come on 
and my question's not right, or I haven't reached and gotten Dabo in time for, for um, Chris to throw it down to me. So in that way, I think there's so much more pressure. I don't feel the pressure as much from an outsider, like the viewers that are watching as I do. I just want to look, make everything look good for my team. And the way that I've always handled it is, you know, great players show up in those, those big moments, I feel like. And so if I want to consider myself a, a great player in this sport of sports broadcasting, but I need to show up in all the big moments. And wow. it's not going to be perfect. I've never been perfect. I've made mistakes in some of those biggest moments, but being able to bounce back and still just, just appear confident, even when maybe I'm not, sometimes you got to fake it till you make it. You know, I live by that. I might not be feeling my best. I might feel sick. I might not feel confident about what I'm about to do. I might not know if the person that I'm interviewing is really going to be into it or give me the feedback or the answers that I would like, but I'm going to go in there super confident with the question. I'm going to give the correct body language. I'm going to give you a smile and, and just kind of go from there. Cause if, if you feel good or you're positioning yourself to feel good, then most likely the outcome is going to be a positive one. I love that attitude. And I also love your team player mentality. Totally can tell that you played sports. So that's really cool. Uh, hey, one timely <laughs> yeah. thing that's going on right now, obviously the college basketball tournaments. You're right in the middle of the bracketology with the men's tournament. Talk about your role in the coverage for both the men and the women. Sure. For the men's, um, I did our Saturday night prime game for men's hoops. So, you know, I was there for the Zion shoe debacle when Duke uh, played Carolina at home and then had the Duke Carolina game at the end of the regular season. And so for ESPN, we don't have the tournament, which um, we cover the obviously all these teams extensively during the regular season. And then CBS takes over when we get into March Madness, which is, you know, cool to kind of sit back and watch that. But I move switch over my gears to the women's basketball. And even during the season, I'm in the studio in Bristol Mondays and Thursday nights covering some of our biggest games in the women's basketball um, world. So, you know, when we've got Connecticut playing Baylor or Louisville and when we've got Oregon playing Mississippi State, these were all one seed in the bracket that we just released that I'm in the studio. And so now I'm going to be in the studio all the way through for the next three weeks, essentially, as one of them goes from 64 teams down to the final four. I travel to Tampa Bay. I host our studio coverage from there. So it's still great that I get to be a part of women's basketball. It played such a role in making me who I am. These athletes deserve an amazing platform. And, you know, I work really hard to research. You know, I know that the South Dakota Coyotes women's basketball team that came out of the Summit League, and it's the first time I received an at-large bid. Like, it's important that the, the world knows that, too, if they're watching our selection show. So it, it means a lot to me, just as much as college football could mean to me. Well, good luck with those. I know those are a, a lot of fun for you to, to participate in, so good luck with that. Um, I got to tell you, as a fellow broadcaster, when I watch you, you really look like you enjoy your job when you're on the air. I mean, you can tell when people are just kind of running through the drill versus really enjoying what they're doing. And anytime I've watched you, you totally give off that vibe of, you know what, I'm passionate and I'm excited about what I do. Where does that come from for you? Why do you love this job so much? I think it's because I, I love sports. Like, it's just kind of made me who I, I feel the most comfortable when I'm around people who have an athletic background, I feel the most comfortable when I'm in arenas and when I'm on a field. And so I, I do believe that that kind of shines through to the point where even when people ask me, well, don't you just want to do sports? And I'm like, yeah, but I wouldn't be around the people. You know, I, that's what I, I love and get energy from. And I've always been an extrovert and some people recharge by being by themselves. And I recharge by being around people that I love. And essentially I share a love with sports with every person that I, I run into when I'm on the road. So we've got this common bond that I can feed off of. 
And so that's where that genuine probably excitement or joy you might see comes from. And I, I do believe like I'm genuinely curious about everyone's back. Like I really want to know. Like if I'm asking a question or doing a sit down interview, it's like I really want to know why RJ Barrett speaks French, you know, but is also like probably the second best player in the world right now and it's probably going to be a lottery pick in the draft. So it's small things like that that kind of fuel me and energize me throughout this broadcast. Was there somebody that you modeled your style after? Is there somebody you watched growing up that you said, I want to be like her? It was definitely Robin Roberts. And what I loved about her, and I always tell people, you know, don't, don't turn the TV on and say, I'm going to act just like that person. Because if you fake it, you know, people will notice and, um, you know, you just won't get the right response. Being genuine, being authentic on TV is what's going to make you unique and what's going to bring you success, essentially. But you can take pieces from people. Um, and Robin Roberts said it in an interview I recently did with her, and it's just that success leaves clues. And so for me, what I loved about her was when I watched her on TV, I felt as though she was in my living room. If she wasn't in my living room, she was someone that I wanted to invite into my living room because I already know her. And so how do I create that same aura when people watch me? Um, you know, just kind of being this down-to-earth person that doesn't talk down to people that is genuinely interested in the people that she's interviewing. And those are all the vibes that she gave off. So I have modeled that part of who I am as a broadcaster after her. And, and then also, like, my dream shifted from just working at ESPN to Good Morning America because I've always watched her and loved her, you know, since the days when she was working at ESPN. She was there for 15 years. And one of the first um, books I read once I decided I wanted to be in sports broadcasting was her From the Heart, Seven Rules to Live By. And um, then she created another book that was Eight Rules to Live By. And I still have the original books with all my highlights in it and my notes and just taking to heart the way that she approached becoming a broadcaster. And she really, she was an athlete too. She approached it like an athlete, um, not letting anything um, set her back or being discouraged by certain circumstances and how you position yourself the same way an athlete would position themselves in a game. Just like interesting nuggets that she had. I've certainly modeled myself after her. Well, you mentioned your interview with her. Uh, your new platform is called The Journey. Can you talk a little bit about it and when people can tune in to, to hear it or, or watch it? Absolutely. Um, yeah, Robin Roberts was my first interview. Like, I'm so excited about that. I am a fan. I am just like a fangirl of her and also a mentee, I would consider myself. But yeah, it's called The Journey Unscripted. And it's essentially just a way for me to spend more time interviewing people that I've drawn inspiration from. So it doesn't necessarily have to be on a court or a sport. We can take it outside of the field of play and people that are interesting, talking to them about their faith, um, how that's impacted them, the items that they're reading or they're listening to and drawing inspiration from, talking about those failures and those setbacks and how they got through them. Because I think we spend so much time as a society and a community worrying on the success and where people are right now, but we just forget where they came from. So that's where that journey comes in. And we're taking the script away. So we're taking away all the polished parts of that and being honest about, you know, things that were difficult and the things that you have to persevere through and understand that there will be some hard times. It's not going to be perfect all the time, but if you persevere, if you stand strong in your faith, if you, you know, you're humble and you're grounded and all these things and you rely on your family and not feedback from strangers, then you can get to where you want to go. Um, and that's what I'm hoping each episode does. And it'll be on my IG my IGTV, I'm at Maria Taylor on Instagram. It'll be posted to YouTube. And also you can find it on Apple iTunes, The Journey Unscripted with Maria Taylor. Well, very cool. I'll definitely make sure people tune into that. Um, I'd be killed if I didn't ask for all those younger women listening. Just like you looked up to Robert Roberts, there are a, a ton of young women that look up to you now and say the same thing. Um, for those listening, 
and wondering, you know, how do I get into the line of work that Maria's in? Or what advice would she have for me? Could you maybe just give them some uh, some pieces of wisdom? Sure. My biggest piece of advice is to say yes to everything. I think a lot of kids, I was just talking to someone and um, they said, I just wanted to make the decision that was best for that company and for me. And when I was coming up, I was just like, yes, 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 yes. Like, if you asked me to go and get coffee, I was a runner for the ESPN Monday Night Football game when they came to Atlanta and it was a wild card game. And I, all I was doing was making coffee for Stuart Scott and like running water from Walmart to the crew. Um, <laughs> I was working with, you know, Cox Sports and doing gay volleyball matches in Arkansas with a viewership of two because not even my mom could find the game. You know, I'm doing... <laughs> Raycom, ACC digital network before there was a digital network. I think we were just like online women's basketball games. Like I was doing high school football in Georgia where the mic wasn't even working and you'd have to like walk from sideline to sideline, but you didn't have a wireless mic because everything was wired. Like these are the jobs that you have to take and be okay with. You have to be okay with starting from the bottom because that's where you're going to take your lumps and that's where you're, you're going to become better. And that's where no one's going to see those mistakes that you don't want to have on national TV. Cause I have seen some people rise too fast and not be ready for the moment. And then you never see them again when you don't want that to be you. So that's just my biggest uh, piece of advice, just to be humble, to continue to say yes. And also I know a lot of it is about talent, but a big part of it is about how you make people feel. So just being a genuinely good person in this industry is important because it's small and everyone talks. Okay. Very good. I love that wisdom. Uh, two more quick questions for you, but I know you got to go. Uh, number one, what is your dream job at this point? Or are you living your dream job? Mm -hmm. You know, part of me really is I, I wake up and I am living the dream. Um, I would say, though, you know, similar to what I'm doing with the journey unscripted, I envision a world in which there's a show that's similar. It's like Ellen meets SportsCenter meets just a regular the journey unscripted like an interview series so you're having athletes come on you know a little bit of a talk show what are they interested in? what are they doing uh, having fun with them playing games with them and just what is the lighter side of sports um and, and just so often you we always get in, ingratiated into just oh what's the storyline on the field and who's getting traded and who's getting drafted and where are they going da, 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 da. but i want to talk about who is the person and you know have a show that's less about debating about these people but talking to them that would be awesome. And I've always said that GMA is, you know, a goal of mine and that's where Robin went and I made it to ESPN. So maybe after 15 years I've been here, then maybe I'll make my way on to GMA. Well, I'm sure they are definitely, uh, you're on their radar. I have no doubt about it. Uh, one more thing I want to <laughs> ask. Um, I love people who, when they become successful, they give back. And I was reading yesterday about your nonprofit organization called the Winning Edge Leadership Academy. Can you tell people about that real quick? Because I love what it's about. Yeah. So the Winning Edge Leadership Academy is all about helping women and minorities break into the sports industry. And it's just, you know, being on the road all the time, I realize that a lot of times I'm, I am the only woman. And most of the times I'm definitely the only black woman and finding ways to just increase diversity in sports. And I know that I've, I've talked about it a lot with my friends, but you know, I'm not a part of the solution. I'm part of the problem if I don't take an action or a step moving forward. So um, myself and our co-founder, Kareen Million, we decided to start a nonprofit. Didn't really know what was going on. Just got a nonprofit book for dummies. It started out as just a mentoring program that was year round. And it's evolved into a, a retreat that we have for student athletes where they can come and it fits into their schedule, you know, for a few days in the summer where we can bring in all of the industry leaders from areas of sports that they would love to work in after they graduate and just starting to prepare them for, for that next step. Because I do think that there is a world in which the transition that student athletes make into sports, whether that's the front office or an athletic association, um, just those decision-making roles 
it can be easier, it can be smoother, that transition can be smoother, but there's got to be some more programming to help that out. And I think there's a lot of people that want to hire student athletes. So we're just trying to be a part of creating that awesome talent pool and being the bridge to those opportunities and, and companies, corporations and sports um, teams that would love to diversify uh, their employee base. Well, that is super cool, and I certainly hope to see the Academy grow for you. All right, so Maria Taylor, thank you so much. I know you are super busy, and this has been a quick podcast, but we got a lot in in those 15, 20 minutes. So thanks for your time, and best of luck to you, and I will certainly be cheering for you to get your Good Morning America position one day. Well, thank you, Tim. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. Thanks for listening to today's episode, everybody, and to Maria Taylor for taking time out of her busy schedule to come on the podcast. Now, if you want to learn more about Maria, check out her website, mariataylortv.com. Or you can follow her on Instagram and Twitter, both at Maria Taylor. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you wouldn't mind, please subscribe. You can do so on Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, Google Play, YouTube, or you can just go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And by the way, if you have any guests that you'd like to hear me interview, just email them to me at tim at timtialdo.com. And for weekly podcast updates, just follow me on Instagram at timtialdo. Until next time, remember the words of Maria Taylor's favorite Bible verse, Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Some great words to model your life by there, ladies. Believe in yourself, have faith, and pursue your dreams with no fear. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.